whistleblower report exposing lies deceptions and all that has assaulted our way of life we must take back our freedom and live as god designed in a free america that honors our constitution and our creator our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America. And we're going to get into yet another conspiracy that is no longer a theory. It really is a well-documented conspiracy cover-up by our government in ways that are similar to what we have been seeing throughout the COVID cover-up of not only the origins of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, but also the cover-up of the fact that the COVID injections are a bioweapon developed by our Department of Defense and perpetrated on the world as a safe, effective vaccine, which it is anything but toxic by design has been the professional opinion of a former Pfizer vice president and now whistleblower, Dr. Mike Eden, toxic by design. So with that cover-up very recent for all of us, let's look back at another cover-up that is being exposed by groups of patriots, pilot whistleblowers, engineers and architects and lawyers who have been digging into what really happened on 9-11-2001. There is so much that the American public and the world don't know about what really went on that day and what that set the stage for with the Patriot Act and many other egregious violations that we have been living with ever since, not the least of which is the war in Iraq and then later the war in Afghanistan that all stemmed from what really was taking place in 2001. We also see how that laid the stage for the debacle with the anthrax vaccine that caused so much damage to our military. A lot of pieces of the puzzle are becoming very clear now in hindsight. And we as American citizens and the world listening need to be aware of all of this so that we can help prevent it from happening again. With us tonight is Captain Dan Henley who served in the U.S. Navy as a fighter pilot for 10 years and then served 25 years as a United Airlines commercial pilot. While at United, as a captain of the Boeing 777, Captain Hanley tried to warn airline executives about 9-11 related security and safety issues that were very serious. And yet airline executives, senior management and the Federal Aviation Commission, Federal Aviation Administration refused to listen and instead illegally terminated him from United Airlines even though he fought his wrongful termination case for five years with every relevant branch of the U.S. government at every level, it was to no avail. His case was closed without even reviewing 
the tiniest shred of evidence or interviewing his many witnesses. The loss of his career and the destruction of his reputation have a devast- had a devastating impact on his life, his family, and his relationship with his children. And the, the cover-up of these safety issues that Captain Hanley worked so hard to warn the FAA and the United Airlines about were such a concern to him and others in his network that it led him to found a global grassroots, grassroots organization called 9-11 Pilot Whistleblowers. And you can look at their website, www.911pilots.com. Dot .org the youtube channel 911 pilots has again more information about their work he currently serves as the director and international public spokesperson for this charitable organization and over a 35 year <laughs> aviation career captain hanley flew 15 different aircraft accruing 20,000 flight hours. With all of his flight experience, Captain Hanley has unequivocally stated that even as a highly trained military and commercial pilot, as he was, he could not have flown the 9-11 flight profiles that led to the damage we saw. This is a powerful statement from a man who flew fighter jets in combat with the U.S. Navy. We need to listen to what he has to say. And his unequivocal professional opinion is that neither could the unqualified alleged Muslim hijackers have flown those flight profiles either. The purpose of The 9-11 Pilot Whistleblowers Organization is to show that there were no Muslim hijackers controlling the 9-11 aircraft. Hear me on that, America and the world listening. No 9-11 Muslim hijackers flying those aircraft. That the aircraft was electronically hijacked and remotely controlled through employment of a system called the uninterruptible autopilot that takes complete control of the aircraft and flies the aircraft to its target destination by controlling the autopilot and the flight management computer. Once engaged, the uninterruptible autopilot cannot be overridden by the pilots and they have no ability to disconnect the system and are trapped with no ability to control the plane. Let that sink in. And most of us had no idea that the U.S. government had such a system at that time. Captain Hanley is going to explain all of this on the whistleblower report. He also works closely with Richard Gage and the 9-11 Architects and Engineers Organization and the groups of attorneys who are exposing the 9-11 cover-up and conspiracy. So we will be exploring these issues, not only with Captain Hanley, but his colleagues in the other organizations as well. Captain Hanley, You have paid a very high price for being a truth teller and someone who tried to properly warn the government and your employer about the serious safety and security threats that you and others identified after the 9-11 attacks. So I'd like for you to explain to our audience more about this uninterruptible autopilot technology and more that has come to light through all of your investigative work and your collaboration with the 
architects and engineers and attorneys. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for your incredible service to this country. And I, I'm just very, I, I'm really upset and heartsick about the price that you've paid and how much it costs you in damage to your family and your life for doing the right thing. At least God will reward you if there are no rewards in this life and all of us will stand before him on judgment day. So I'm just honored to have you on our program. Well, thank you, Dr. Valine. Good evening, and uh, thank you for that nice introduction. And uh, getting right into it, uh, the uh, entire ordeal did practically ruin my uh, personal life and destroyed a 27-year marriage. Uh, my alienate, The divorce alienated my two children who blamed me for it. Still believe the official 9-11 story. Think I'm a whacked-out conspiracy nut. They don't talk to me to this day. That was my biggest loss. Uh, that is so sad. It is yeah. so tragic. Yes, it I, was. I just can't so even it. imagine what a how how horrible that is. Yeah. Well, it also destroyed my reputation as a pilot and my 35-year career in aviation, and I lost about $4 million in pay, pension, and stock. So that was a price I paid. But I currently am happily married, living in Islamabad, Pakistan, where I've lived for uh, – 14 years, I'm married to a Pakistani who's very supportive of my work and what we're all doing out here. As far as my resume goes, you pretty much covered it. I started flying uh, 56 years ago in 1968. I'm kind of old, <laughs> but uh, I don't boast on my resume uh, saying this is what I've accomplished, but boast on my accomplishments. I only say it because of what you said that... Uh, I couldn't have flown the profiles, and neither could a whole bunch of other pilots that are in our organization who have attested to this fact on videotape, which I can talk about in a minute. So, well, you could so, test that in a simulator, couldn't you? Uh, yes. Uh, another group called Pilots for 9-11 Truth, in fact, did that. They tried to replicate the Pentagon maneuver, and they crashed the simulator trying it. So that that is proof there all alone that... Uh, the, the maneuver, the profile attempted to be flown by this 29-year-old Saudi Arabian uh, was impossible to have completed. So I can get into him in a minute on who he was and what the maneuver was that he was supposedly uh, uh, he supposedly accomplished. So uh, I think that'd be interesting. So uh, take us take us on the um, on the tour of the profiles and and how you sure. know they couldn't have been flown and tell us more about this uninterruptible autopilot that that i find very chilling actually okay well i'll i'll just mention this in passing the reason we formed this group grassroots group was because philip zolikow the executive director of the 9-11 commission did not permit one single pilot to testify before the commission as to the absurdity of this ludicrous notion that these hijackers flew these aircraft. So we got together and decided to create the group on, I mean, 9-11 uh, pilot whistleblowers. And you already mentioned our purpose, but our goal has been to recruit highly trained, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, experienced pilots, whether they're active or retired military or civilian, who, who have been videotaped. And we've got them on our website under the, menu page it says pilot interview uh, if you drop there's a drop down menu at the top of the page uh, and you can see what they had to say to back up what i said but getting to what you wanted to talk about here the remote control system itself a lot of people say oh that's sci-fi a wild conspiracy theory but in reality remote control of a large aircraft goes back uh, almost oh, actually 80 years to 1944, towards the end of World War II, when the U.S. Army Air Corps launched uh, Operation Aphrodite in Europe, and the U.K. to be specific. And what they did was take uh, old B-17 bombers and gutted them out to lighten the weight of the aircraft so they could load it up with 30,000 pounds of Torpex, which, is, which was an 
uh, highly incendiary compound. Now, pilots were required to make the takeoff, but once they got airborne, they'd bail out of the airplane, and these aircraft were remotely guided to targets in Europe. Now, this is the first example we have of a military drone aircraft that we're aware of. Uh, and we point out on our website that Joe Kennedy, JFK's older, older brother, was actually killed on one of these top secret missions when his airplane blew up before he had a chance to bail out of the aircraft. Now, if you jump ahead 40 years and imagine the technology advancements over a 40-year period, there's other examples we could cite, but we're only citing a couple of them on the website. So in 1984, uh, the FAA and NASA got together and created a joint crash test experiment in a remote location where they took an B-O-B-720, a four-engine commercial jet aircraft, loaded it up with cameras and crash dummies because they wanted to test crew and passenger survivability in the event of a crash landing. And they took this aircraft off by remote control, flew it around the traffic pattern several times before intentionally crash landing the aircraft. Now, that was 17 years before 9-11. So if you jump ahead to the mid-90s is where we introduced this uninterruptible autopilot system. And there's even a Wikipedia article that's called Boeing Honeywell Uninterruptible Autopilot, um, Uninterruptible Autopilot, but it's somewhat misleading because it states that it was patented by Boeing in 2006. Now that's true, we've got the, a copy of the patent on the system, but we also know from informants, uh, both, well, they're both civilians. One of them was a, a avionics technician and the other one worked for Raytheon they can attest to the fact that the system was, in fact, uh, developed and produced in the mid-90s, uh, six years before 9-11. So the system does what we claim it does. Uh, we know it was developed and produced before 9-11, and we claim because the hijackers couldn't have flown the aircraft, the only viable alternative explanation as to how uh, these aircraft struck their targets or were directed to another location, whether it be an airport or taken somewhere else and blown up or whatever, because we have people out there that attack me when I say that they were flown into buildings because they've got other theories they believe in that I, I don't believe they can prove. But uh, this, we'll get to this Hani Hanjur was this 29-year-old Saudi Arabian uh, hijacker who came to the States in the mid-90s and took training. And it's a well-documented fact that he was a very poor student. It was even reported in the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, and ABC News that he was a weak student and could barely fly. Now, he went back to Saudi Arabia and came back to the States prior to 9-11. And he was so poor a student that he attempted to re-enroll in a school he had been in before and they wouldn't take him because they didn't want to waste assets on him. That's how bad a student he was. But we talked about the simulator replication of maneuver he was supposed to perform to hit the uh, Pentagon. It was American Flight 77 that took off from Washington Dulles Airport and was headed for the West Coast. It got to cruise altitude for a while before it did an about face, a 180-degree turn back into Washington, and started its descent. And at 7,000 feet, the airplane commenced this 330-degree descending, accelerating corkscrew turn to arrive precisely at the surface, just a few feet above the surface. And that was a trick of the maneuver without striking the surface and uh, hit the Pentagon at over 500 miles an hour on its first attempt. Now, we said it was replicated in a simulator, but the story gets even better because one month prior to 9-11, uh, Hanger went to the Freeway Airport in Bowie, Maryland, and wanted to run a Cessna 172, a single-engine prop job, a little light airplane. And to do this, when you go to a fixed-base operator, if they don't know you, you've got to go up on an evaluation flight to prove that you can fly before they'll rent you an airplane. Well, Hanger didn't go up on one evaluation flight. He went on two of them over, I'm sorry, three of them, over a two-day period with two separate instructors, a guy named Ben Connor and a woman named 
Sheila Baxter, and they both independently came back and told the chief flight instructor at the airport, Marcel Bernard, who I personally talked to on the phone for several minutes. He didn't want to talk to me about it, but uh, he confirmed that he had denied rental of Hanjo from running this uh, single-engine Cessna because he couldn't fly the airplane. Now, this is the guy that was supposed to perform that maneuver, but... What you know, if, that's mind-boggling. That never came out, of course. And yeah, exactly. And the thing that's shocking is that, I mean, I've even taken some flying lessons in a in a little Cessna like that. And man, they don't they they're not about to let somebody go up if they can't fly the plane. And I, I'm just shocked to learn that they two different instructors tried him and denied a rental. And that's one month before he supposedly did that precision strike on the Pentagon? Exactly. And it, it gets even better, Dr. Vliet, uh, because three days after he was denied rental of the aircraft, he goes down the road to Congressional Air Charter, which was another fixed-base operator, and he went up flying with a guy named Eddie Shalev. And Eddie Shalev comes back, and said he was a good pilot. Now, the FBI and a staffer from the 9-11 Commission went out and interviewed all four of these pilots, the three at the uh, Freeware Airport and Eddie Shalev, and the only thing that appeared in the 9-11 Commission final report was Eddie Shalev's testimony that he was a good pilot. Now, and that appeared as but an end note in the Commission final report and Eddie Shalev's name was only mentioned one time. So who was Eddie Shalev? He was an Israeli that came to the United States just a few months before 9-11. He was a member of the IDF, and uh, he disappeared after 9-11. We suspect he went back to Israel. So the big question remains because we suspect strongly that there were elements of the government of the United States involved in 9-11 that perhaps Eddie Shalev was uh, Mossad. So that's basically uh, what our website covers. Our website's designed for people who aren't familiar with this system. And our intent is to show the hijackers weren't qualified to fly the aircraft, but the, the, the system could manage the uh, procedure. Now, the uh, uninterrupted the navigation system on today's modern advanced commercial jet aircraft is derived from cruise missile technology. And it's extremely accurate down to a meter or so uh, of where it wants to hit the target. The navigation data is uplink from the ground or downlink from an airplane or a satellite to the, the flight management computer. And this system, once certain modes of flight are engaged, will fly precisely the route, the altitude, and airspeed programmed into it. It's like a trajectory into the building. And people don't realize that the, cap the capability of these airplanes are that the system even exists. I mean, when we interview pilots, we've talked to them a little bit in advance. We don't want to, their interview to sound scripted, but we ask them, are you familiar with the uninterruptible autopilot? Almost without exception, they're going to know what is that. So, it's a well-kept secret, and we believe, because we did a Freedom of Information Act request on any and all information they had on this system, and it came back with no information. So we believe it was a highly classified black project, if you're familiar with what that is. Yes, well, very much so, and that that fits with everything that you've been describing. Right, exactly. So that's why we feel that uh, it is a black project, just because we didn't get the information back. So all these 9-11 truth groups have a wealth of information to show that it was an inside job. But where do we take the inf information for adjudication? And I'll talk about the Lawyers Committee and what they're doing with other groups. But what we decided to do, we approached the Lawyers Committee and said, hey, We've got this pilot testimony 
and evidence, we'd like to move forward with the U.S. attorney in New York like they did. And they were encumbered with what they were doing and said, we'll get back to you. Well, we decided because we wanted to move forward that we would start out um, letter writing, sending emails and making phone calls to every relevant level and branch of the U.S. government. And we started with the FBI. And this may sound silly, but I called the FBI in Washington and said, look, I have ev evidence regarding a big crime. And they go, what's a crime? I go, 9-11. Long pause. And okay, <laughs> what, do you, <clears throat> what, do you, what do you have? And I said, we believe the aircraft were electronically hijacked and remotely controlled. Another long pause. So she patiently took down the information that I have that I just mentioned and said, okay, if the FBI wants any more, we'll get back to you. So not, normally you either go to a U.S. attorney with a federal crime information or file a federal complaint. So I thought I was starting at the bottom, and I waited a couple months and called them back, and they were indignant saying, what are you calling this for? We told you we would contact you. So I knew I was going to get nowhere there based on another whistleblower incident I was involved with involving the FBI. So we went to the Transportation Security Administration, and I personally talked to an, uh, an officer there who was very accommodating and listened to what I had to say, unlike the FBI. And uh, he said, why don't you go to the FAA and Boeing on this? I was okay. He said, because it's really out of our jurisdiction. I said, well, it involves transportation security because the system's on an airplane capable of hijacking airplanes. So he says, yeah, go to the FAA. So the FAA is like an impenetrable fortress. There's no way of contacting them. You call their hotline and you get a recording with a, a menu. But uh, I managed to find a way in the door filing an FAA hotline report. And they acknowledged receipt and put me in touch with an aeronautical engineer in Seattle who I called, and he was very tight-lipped and said, we're going to need more time to investigate this. Well, that was the last I heard of them, from them. So I went to his boss in Washington, who turned me back over to the FAA hotline people, who tried, they acknowledged that the system existed. They said, but it's no longer installed on airplanes. And then they sent one, uh, I can't remember what title he had, sent a memo that I was copied on, on an email to uh, the chief investigator for the FAA, saying we're gonna close this case. And they refuted most of what I said with real weak, weak arguments. So I, I came back, I'm gonna make this short. I came back and said, not so fast, you're not gonna close it. We've got this information and you haven't investigated it. So I wrote a, actually we felt that the Department of Justice should be involved in an investigation like this, and the FBI did not move on what we gave them. So we wrote a letter to the Attorney General and the Assistant Attorney General Criminal Division and copied the FAA on it saying, hey, and we even wrote the Director of uh, National, Intelli National Intelligence, the DNI, a woman named April Haynes, and said, hey, don't you think you should climb on board this investigation. Well, we never got an answer. Phone calls weren't returned. We wrote emails and nothing happened there. So I'm going to shorten this up because a lot of other letters were sent and phone calls made. And Well, uh, well let's take a break and come back to this because okay. I, I think the lack of response that you've encountered on the 9-11 cover up and this the invest the fact that they're not willing to investigate it is very similar to exactly what we've been dealing with with the covid cover-up and the vaccine damage cover-up for the last four years exactly it is. and the jet the the deaths from the covid shots alone are approaching 18 million worldwide and nearly 700,000 Americans, far more than 9-11, and yet they're not doing anything to investigate that or even take them off the market. 
So it's not surprising that they would ignore your efforts to have 9-11 investigated. Let's come back after the break and talk more about all this. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. Check out our website at www.truthforhealth.org. And also check out our store, truthforhealthstore.com, where you will find high quality, professional grade, and good manufacturing practices, compliant facility, manufactured nutraceutical and vitamin products that will help improve your health and resilience, particularly for those of you who've gotten the experimental COVID shot and have watched your health decline as a result. We'll be right back after the break. Check out the new Truth For Health store at truthforhealthstore.com. We have exclusive professional formulas with exciting new products, including True Mitochondrial Boost that can help improve your energy, memory, focus, and concentration. All of our products are manufactured in certified compliant facility using good manufacturing practices approved and inspected by the FDA. Check us out, www.truthforhealthstore.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America here with our guest, Captain Dan Henley, U.S. Navy pilot and United Airlines commercial pilot with a 35-year career in aviation, talking about the cover-up of the 9-11 attacks and giving us more information about the technology of an uninterruptible autopilot that can take control of an aircraft without the pilot being able to override it. And that is the hypothesis of 9-11 whistleblowers who believe that that is what happened to control the aircraft on that horrific day of the 9-11 attacks in 2001. So Captain Hanley, you were talking about how the all of these federal agencies from the FBI to the Transportation Security Agency, FAA, DOJ, Attorney General, Assistant Attorney General, Criminal Division, Director of National Intelligence, no answers, no responses, and no investigation. So pick up where you were discussing all of that and what are the next steps for your organization to try and bring this to the American public and get answers for what really happened and who was behind it? Well, because of other whistleblower uh, cases I was involved in involving the federal government, to be quite honest with you, we never, well, we expected the non-response we got. And uh, we have a email network that we sent out to all of our members. You can by the way, join our organization at the top of our website page. There's a join us page. All we need is your name and email address, and we'll put you on our mailing list. But we wanted to show them that no matter who we contacted in the federal government, nobody was going to respond to our request for an investigation. So what we did, we turned our site. There are 2 billion Muslims in the world. And next to the next of kin, no group of people on earth have been more harmed by the lies of 9-11 than the 2 billion Muslim because Islamophobia is still rampant, okay? So we felt that our mantra that there were no Muslim hijackers controlling the 9-11 aircraft would resonate well with them and they would climb on board. So what we did was we went to the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, which is in Jeddah, and the Muslim World League in Mecca, which is essentially the United Nations of a Muslim world. They claim to be the collective voice of the Muslim world, and they represent 57 of the top Muslim countries in the world. And again, we started out writing letters, 
sending emails, didn't get a response. I personally called them several times and talked to them, and they assured they were going to get back to us, and they didn't. They haven't. And I've been on countless podcasts in the States, actually around the world to be truthful. But what I was trying to do was get on a podcast or a TV station in Afghanistan and Iraq, even went to the CEO of each organization and got nowhere there. What we were trying to do is why do you actually, think that's why do you think that is? Since theoretically you're right, they should be grateful that someone's trying to show that they weren't responsible for 9-11. That's exactly why we went to them. And we even presented information from architects and engineers, the lawyers committee, and all these other 9-11 whistleblower groups out there, and they still didn't jump on it. And we believe, or we surmise, that the reason is that the real organizations and individuals that called in the 9-11 hit were the uh, most wealthy, powerful, ruthless subhumans on the planet Earth. And they could they could destroy the economy or even kill a political leader if they would dare open their mouth. Because if you look, there's 193 countries in the world and only a handful, about three or four of their political leaders ever spoke out and nothing came of it. So that's what we believe, that there's this fear there. Plus the fact recently with what's going on with Gaza, and we noticed that the Organization of Islamic Cooperation has stepped into that battle, that the last thing they're going to be interested in is a crime from 22 years ago. So it's been very frustrating and disheartening where we got. But we've shown to our membership that we don't feel like it's going to go anywhere. So where, where are we going with it? Well, all we can do is try to drive people to our website, which I why I do podcasts like this, and uh, engage people with uh, social media and just trying to, trying to enlighten because there still are people out there who believe the official 9-11 story. The other thing our organization did was create a documentary. We produced it and it involved uh, people on three continents and on the internet collaborating what we were doing and the name of the uh, documentary is 9-11, the advent of the Ninth Crusade. And uh, the w quickest way to access it is the second item on our drop-down menu on the website. Uh, it says, uh, I believe, uh, a 9-11 pilot whistle uh, uh, documentary. And what we did there was basically cover everything on the website, plus relate what happened on 9-11 to the Crusades. And, you know, we looked up and there were eight major Crusades and we're calling it this the advent of the Ninth Crusade because there's no doubt in anybody's mind that Islam and Muslims have been trampled the last 22 years. And we're really appealing to them saying, look at all this information. Because I have actually people on social media come, in, come to me and say, thank you for what you've said and done because you've opened my eyes. These are Muslims I'm talking about. And one woman said to me, I've been on a guilt trip for years thinking that Muslims were involved in the uh, planning and execution and you've shown me that you haven't. So if nothing else, we're doing that, uh, Dr. Lee. Well, in addition to that, which I, I think is very important, you are also reinforcing for Americans who are open, who are open-minded enough to look at facts that our government has been capable of massive conspiracies and attacks on our freedom, our lives, and in ways that, that really are staggering to comprehend. Because if you start looking at so many of the things that have happened over my adult life, there are far more of these 
events orchestrated by the U.S. government for nefarious purposes than I would have ever thought possible. But we look at, just think about the recent one since 9-11, and you look at what happened with the reason for going to war in Iraq, what, what took place in Afghanistan, you look at what Obama did with the border surges for eight years and the cover-up of that, the biological warfare of human carriers of disease coming across our borders for eight years under his administration, which I was writing and speaking about then. You look at Operation Fast and Furious, the gun running, to blame American gun owners for gun violence and then use that for gun control the stolen elections, the, the development of the SARS-CoV-2 virus as a bioweapon, the development of the COVID shots as a bioweapon, the ways in which our food supply has been adulterated, causing more illness and death, the massive increase in vaccines that are damaging children. I mean, it just doesn't stop. And that's just in the last 24 years since 9-11. Exactly. And you can throw in there illegal wiretaps of... Uh, oh, uh, well, yes. <laughs> Homeland Security and the Patriot Act, which robbed us of all, all of us of our freedoms and are still out there unnecessarily. But there's a lot of... You can go back to the Kennedy assassination, the Oklahoma bombing... Uh, and then 9-11 and the COVID, what you just talked about. And then what's going on in Gaza right now, I believe is part of a bigger plan to usher in the new world order, which is what I think uh, 9-11 Oh, I think you're exactly about. right. I, I really yeah. do. And I didn't even mention the Kennedy assassination because I just started at 2001 with 9-11. Yeah. The, the, whole, the, the whole anthrax, the letters. Right that right. were sent right. those were designed to create fear and save the anthrax vaccine program there there weren't really any letters that was done by a government individual that was later shown that it was done by a government individual who was setting up to save the vaccine program for anthrax exactly enough that could lead right into what I wanted to talk about the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry, because Good. I'll, I'll Go ahead. who they are and what they're doing, but part of it is the anthrax letters. Uh, a group of U.S. lawyers got together several years ago and created the organization I just mentioned, the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry. It's a grassroots organization, and they got together with the biggest whistleblower individuals and organizations in the world and collected 57 evidence packages and presented it to the U.S. attorney in New York, who forced him to acknowledge that he was going to convene a grand jury investigation into their allegations that World Trade Center buildings 1, 2, and 7, and there was a third building that came down on 9-11, uh, were brought down by controlled demolition. Well, I'll cut this short because it lasted over a few years. They went through the whole, there was no indication there was any movement on the the uh, grand jury investigation. So they went to the Justice Department, got stonewalled. So they took it to court, all the way to the Supreme Court, who refused last year to hear their case. So they've gotten nowhere so far. And I haven't checked in with them what their latest uh, plan of attack is. But th they were working with architects and engineers uh, and other groups out there. And Architects and Engineers is a group of, uh, for 9-11 Truth, is a group of uh, 3,000 architects and engineers worldwide who will attest to the fact that the building, it was a structurally, structurally impossible for the buildings to have come down the way they did. And there's another group at the University of You Atlanta. mean as a result of an airplane? Right. Exactly. Hit. And the fuel fires that ensued. They said right. it was impossible. But there's a, a professor at the University of Alaska Fairbanks working with a group of people 
conducted a four-year study on World Trade Center Building 7 and proved that 44 structural support beams collapsed almost simultaneously, bringing that building down. Now, what's the significance of World Trade Center Building 7, which is called the Solomon, or was called the Solomon Building, uh, at 5.20 in the afternoon on 9-11, this 47-story tall structure collapsed at near freefall acceleration due to gravity into its own footprint in less than seven seconds. Well, that should prove that it was a controlled demolition. But the U.S. government is uh, taking a stand behind an organization called the National Institute for Standards and Technology, which is part of the Department of Commerce. And when they got into court, the court also upheld their findings. So they're frustrated from that end as well. But that's, let me mention a couple of organizations out there also recently formed about six months ago. It's called the International Center for 9-11 Justice. And this is comprised of a group of big whistleblowers and they created it. They wanted a central gathering part internationally for all evidence surrounding 9-11. They got a, 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 a unbelievable website that they're presenting information on and they're making it on programs such as Redacted and other frequently watched. Send me, a, send me a correct list of the correct spelling of all these websites that you've mentioned, and we'll put we'll post that and encourage people to go there. Okay, I'll send it right after we get done here. Uh, I want to wait before I contact the Lawyers Committee and Architects uh, until I get a link to this program so I can send that to them as well so they can hear what we're talking about, what you're all about, and what the organization's all about. Well, and w- one of the reasons that this is so critical to explore is that that I think if we dig into, and you may have already done this, and I've read a little bit about it myself, we dig into what was really going on at World Trade Center 7 and the evidence that was destroyed when that building was brought down. I think we will see that it has relationship to many events that have followed over the last 20 years, right. 27 there's, years. There's information out there I can't regurgitate right now because I don't have it in front of me, but uh, certain investigations were being conducted. I don't remember was, whether it was Enron or Halliburton, but uh, the SEC was in that building and there were in fact major investigations going on and all the files for that were destroyed. And that was also the uh, command post for Rudy Giuliani, the mayor of uh, New York uh, for uh, emergencies such as 9-11, and that was destroyed as well. There was a, I can't remember the gent's name, who was in the building and reported uh, what he saw prior to building collapse. Such a, it looked like uh, people had evacuated the building, leaving half-finished sandwiches and hot coffee at their desk. And he had a night, Barry Jennings was his name. And he has a nightmare story, or he did have a nightmare story, and he mysteriously died sometime afterwards, which is surprising given the information that he had. I'll mention, since we're talk- I was talking about death here, there was a pilot named Philip Marshall. He was a United Airlines 767 captain who had written two books on 9-11. He was about to publish a third one. He told his neighbors he was being threatened, and... Sometime later, his neighbors found his family dog and two teenage kids shot to death, and Philip had a bullet to his head, and the police called it a murder-suicide, that he killed his kids and then shot himself. But interestingly enough, the manuscript, his book, was missing from his house. So uh, we believe it was a government hit job to silence him. Well, with all that we have seen since... I I don't have one iota difficulty believing that's exactly what happened. I mean, if if the what has come to light since John F. Kennedy was assassinated indicates that our government was 
the executor of that assassination of a U.S. president, then it's a very small step to think about assassinating a citizen whistleblower who doesn't have all of that protection. Exactly. And interestingly enough, the California California Attorney General at the time that didn't investigate this crime was the vice president, current vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. So really? Not, not that that means anything, but yeah. So Well, it may mean a lot, actually. Right, exactly. I was being facetious, but uh <laughs> yeah. So that's basically what we're doing and what the other groups out there are doing. And uh, I want to thank you for having me on the uh, program, Dr. Bleed, and I'll pass on that information you were requesting. Well, I, I really think it's critical. We are making an effort in the whistleblower reports to start building a series on these various events and government cover-ups in part because it helps to show the building towards what we're seeing now with the push towards the new world order with the sabotage and the corruption of all of our institutions law, medicine, churches. I mean, we are at, at schools, colleges, government agencies, businesses, big tech, big pharma, everywhere you turn, the values of ethical operation and operation within the rule of law and honoring constitutional rights is being usurped, overridden, corrupted, and the churches are even being paid by the U.S. government millions of dollars to bring in this, these illegals that are invading our borders. Catholic Charities is being paid millions of dollars to facilitate this flood of illegals. We're seeing this right here in southern Arizona, with not far from where I am that church groups, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Catholic, and others are providing the transportation and food and clothing and shelter, and they're all being paid by the U.S. government. They've received payments from the government for pushing vaccination. Churches were telling people, you can't come to church if you don't have a vaccine for COVID. I mean, this is this is we're being corrupted at in every institution that we have thought honored the rule of law. Well, you interviewed uh, Belize uh, Saliba, who is a highly seasoned uh, American Airlines pilot that was put on administrative leave over the vaccine issue. But he said that the government, I mean, the airline or maybe it was the FAA, was paying $5,000 to pilots per vaccination if they get uh, vaccinated. That's how bad it is. I know. It is is so heinous that it's difficult for the average person to wrap their mind around. The government is paying doctors to push the vaccines. The insurance companies are paying incentive payments to doctors. Our, our government was paying bonuses to hospitals, 20% bonus on the entire hospital bill to use remdesivir that was killing people, and they knew it was killing people. Fauci knew that in 2014 in the Ebola trials then. It killed over 53% of the people in the trials in Ebola in Africa in 2014. They knew it. This is is so evil, it is very difficult for the average person to wrap their mind around it. But we have the facts, chapter and verse. You have the facts. You you cannot now look. I mean, I literally cannot look at those videos from 9-11 now 
and understand why I thought a plane could do all of that damage so quickly. I think it had to do with the fact that when I was watching it on TV in 2001, I was in such a state of shock, as all of us were, that, you know, reason kind of went out the window. But now you look at you look at WTC seven, you look at the the buildings, the World Trade Center towers now, and you look at how they just literally collapsed on themselves. And there's no way I can look at it now and not see the evidence of controlled demolition. Well, you but, look at the- but I didn't then. Yeah. And I just think there's so much that we know now in so many ways that the government, our government that we thought we could trust has lied to us, that what you're doing is critical because it shows the longevity of all of this. Right. And I won't give up. I don't need to be doing what I'm doing. I'm almost 75 years old. I can be enjoying my retirement, but I feel like I know too much about the lies of 9-11 to remain silent. I've lived in Pakistan now, as I said, for 14 years, and I've seen the damage done to this country of 240 million people that lost 70,000 lives due to their forced participation in the war on terror, and it impacted me. I mean, they spent over $120 billion on the war on terror, and it's a very poor country. So that plus the millions who've been killed, maimed, or displaced in the Middle East and South Asia since 9-11 is what keeps me going. Well, and I, I would agree with you. I, I said to myself in February, March 2020, if there is anything I can do to help my patients with whatever this thing is that is is hitting us, I'm going to do what I can. I will not stand by for patients to die on my watch if there's something I can do to help them. And, you know... I, I, to this day, will continue. I didn't need this at this stage of my life either. And yet I cannot be silent in the face of evil. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that as a call to the world in 1944, right before he was killed, 1944-45, in World War II, speaking out against the Nazi evil, when he said... As a Lutheran minister, he was one of the few ministers in Germany who stood against the evil. Most of the ministers in Germany did not, as we see in the U.S. right now today. And he said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And that is what keeps me going. It's what keeps you going. And it's what keeps all of the truth tellers who have a conscience and who know that we will stand before God on judgment day and we will answer for either our action or our silence. And for the members of my profession that have stood silent knowing that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin worked against COVID and you did nothing to save the lives of your patients and you hid in the corner and said, no, you go to the EOR, I don't treat COVID, you will be held accountable on judgment day. You may have protected your money in this world. You won't be held guiltless when you stand before God at your death. Just remember that. And that's true for people in your profession people in the military, people in law, all these judges that are not ruling on the court of law, every single one of them will be held accountable on judgment day, period. So look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, do I need to be making amends for my actions and my silence? Because there's still time to repent and do the right thing. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report. Join us. And if you have whistleblower information you would like to get out, contact us, producer at whistleblowerreports.org.
or info at truthforhealth.org. We will help get your story out to those who can make a difference and those who need truth against the lies and deceptions that our government is feeding us. Join our crusade, sign up for our email alerts, and if you can, donate to support our efforts so that we can continue bringing you truth, hope, and solutions against the lies and deceptions of the globalists who seek to destroy us. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back again with another Whistleblower Report. Check out all our archives at truthforhealth.org.